Well, the Christmas season is upon us, and uh, often I find myself at this time of year looking for some good advice when it comes to uh, buying Christmas gifts. And, and I don't buy a lot of Christmas gifts. I buy for my wife, and, and I help her buy for our kids. She does most of that. I won't take the credit. But I often find myself um, looking for some good advice as to even what are the best gifts that we can give to our kids or that I could give to my wife. Or um, I'm Dutch. I grew up that way. My dad instilled me the value of the dollar. And so I'm always looking for the best price on the gifts that we're giving uh, each year. Um, But also, like, what happens when there's different options? So say our kids want uh, a certain gift, but there's this brand and there's this brand. And how do I know which one we should choose? I go looking for some advice or or maybe when it comes to the quality, because, you know, you can always get those gifts and you hate for them to break or you hate for them to be of poor quality. You want to give something really nice. And so where do we go when we look for this kind of information? We Google it. That's right. Maybe you use Siri or, or one of those others. But yeah, personal assistance. But we go to Google to find all sorts of helpful information. We find lists of the, the top gifts for this year and we find reviews on all different types of products and all sorts of things. And, and we go there because it's full of helpful information that helps us make these decisions about the gifts that we buy. And the reason that I find myself going there um, each year is because I've made some bad decisions in the past when it comes to gift giving. And I don't want to repeat those, so I want to find some help to help me to make a better choice. Last year, my son wanted a, a remote-controlled helicopter. And so I got right on Google, and I did some research and see what the options were. And, and I found that you can spend a little or you can spend a lot. And so we got into the right price range. And, uh, and I did some research, and I tried to find the best one that would be pretty easy for him to fly. And so we got it for him, and he loved it. He had a ton of fun flying that thing around the house because it was winter so we couldn't really go outside and fly it and one of the things that happens when you try to fly a remote control helicopter in the house is you hit things and um, and if I was being honest I had a lot of fun flying this with him and together we hit lots of things the ceilings the floor uh, Jen's furniture which was never good um, you know all sorts of things the walls and after a while of taking this beating it broke It was not a good enough quality to at least withstand the beating that we gave to it. And I felt terrible. My son's Christmas gift, like a few months in, is broke and he can't even enjoy it anymore. So I did what, you know, any good dad does. And I got on Google and I tried to figure out, can I fix this thing? And I found the part that I needed and I ordered it. And it came and I put it back together and it still didn't fly right. It flew all over the place. You couldn't control it. It was useless. And I have no idea what's wrong with it. And I felt terrible. Now my son... A few months from Christmas, his gift is no good. It didn't even make it a year to the next Christmas so I could replace it again. And so I hate that for him. I don't don't like that. It makes me feel bad. I feel like that was a bad decision. And so I want some helpful advice. Help me make better decisions. And I think there's times in all of our lives, if we think about it, when we're, we're looking for some good advice to help us make better decisions, whether that's you know, a small decision like what Christmas gifts to give this year or whether that's something bigger, you know, maybe something in one of our relationships or maybe something in our career or, or, or what we're pursuing with our lives. And we find ourselves looking for some good advice. And, and I think the reason that we seek that advice is because of this truth that I think we would all agree to, that we're prone to make some bad decisions in our life. How many of you out there have ever made a bad decision in your life? Whoa, some of you were real fast. Some of you are a little more hesitant. So, right, we all make bad decisions. And I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. We all agree 
with that. We, we've been made, you may have some flooding into your head. It's probably not too hard to think of some bad decisions, maybe even this past week that you made. When I think about my life and some of the decisions that I wish I would have done differently, yes, there, there are a lot, but one that, um, that, I, that I'll share with you this morning occurred back when I was in grad school. And Jen and I had, had just been, gotten married, and uh, we were both working. We just finished, uh, both just finished college. We were paying back our student loans for college, and we didn't have a whole lot of money. And when I went back to school, we made the decision to defer my loans from undergrad. We just basically decided we'd pay them later. Now, looking back, I wish I had made a different decision. I wish I had got some better advice, and I wish I had um, worked maybe a little harder to find a way to continue to pay those and not just push it back for five years while I was in school. And, and, and that's not a huge one, but it has some ripple effects in, uh, for years uh, you know, beyond that point in my life. And, and we need good advice on the decisions that we make in life because the decisions that we make in life have a huge impact on the quality and the direction of our lives. If you're one of our students, you've heard me say that same statement when I talk about the friends that you choose. That's just another decision in life. But the decisions that we make in life have a huge impact on the direction of our life, where we're going, and on the quality of life, what our life is going to be like. And I think we probably all recognize the fact that we, we need some good advice when it comes to the decisions that we make in life. We need some good input. We need helpful counsel in those times. But where do we go to find that? Where do we find good advice? Where do we find good counsel that can help us with the decisions of life? And this is not a, a new question. It's not a question that we're asking for the first time today. It's been asked probably for all of time. Where do we get that good advice. And we're going to look at a passage of scripture this morning where the nation of Israel found themselves in that point where they were suffering the consequences of some bad decisions that they had made um, individually and as a nation. And they were looking for some input into their lives. They were looking for some help in their lives. And, and so if you have a, a Bible, you can open that. Uh, if you don't have one, there's one in the seat back in front of you or pull it up on one of your devices. And we're going to be in the book of Isaiah chapter 8. It's uh, page 559 if you're using the, the Bibles in our seats there, and you can open up there, and I'd, I'd invite you to follow along. I'm not going to have all the, uh, all the words up on the screen this morning, so I invite you to follow along with me. So Isaiah chapter 8, and we're going to start in verse 19. It says this, describing the situation that the nation of Israel found itself in at this point in their history. It says, when someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not the people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. And when they are famished, they, they will become enraged and they will look upward and will curse the king and their God. Then they will look towards the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. And so for decades, the, the, the people of Israel had made some poor choices. They had gone to the wrong places for the advice that they were looking for on how to live life as God's people. They were going to the pagan nations that were around them, the mediums and the spiritists, those who were not following God's ways. And, and they ignored the, the input of the priests that God had sent to communicate his word to them. They ignored the, 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 the commands of the king that he had, had put over them and the prophets like Isaiah that he had sent to speak his word and his commands and his 
uh, laws that he had given to them. And as a result, they were suffering the consequences. Life was not going well for them. And you could hear that in that passage. What is going on around them is that they had been conquered by the Assyrians. They came in from the east and they conquered the nation of Israel. And they took many of them captive back to Assyria and others were just left there to pick up the pieces of life. And it was hard and it was difficult and it was dark times. And in this, uh, or in this, this situation that they find themselves in, right, they find themselves asking or seeking something from God. They needed some help because it was so dark, it was so hopeless. And, and, and often is the case when we find ourselves, and I think we can think through our own lives and we can, we can maybe identify some periods in our life, and maybe you're in one right now where it feels dark, it feels difficult, it feels very hopeless, just like the nation of Israel. But often, is, as is the case, those are the times in our life when God shows up. But it's not really that God shows up. It's really that we've, become, we've gotten to a place where we realize, man, we really need him. The nation of Israel, they knew they needed God. They had seen it all throughout their history, but they had forgotten. And they had turned their eyes other places. And now, when life was difficult and hard and they were distressed, they finally realized, where's God? Where's God? Who can, how can he help us in this? And, and that's what happens. We're ready to see what God has for us when we hit those difficult times in our life. But you can imagine, um, as they were navigating all these things, they were looking for a little hope. And as God um, is so faithful to us, he often shows up in those moments to give us hope and to give us direction and to help us navigate those. Read with me. We're going to continue on into chapter 9 here, uh, starting there in verse 1. And, and, and we see all right, God giving them a picture of what their future will be like. He says this, or the prophet Isaiah says this, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by way of the sea, beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Those living on the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulder, the rod of their oppressors. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And so God was promising them uh, in the future that he was going to send to them a, something that would change their current situation, that it wouldn't be that way forever. And, and as they were... Um, as they were um, experiencing this extreme difficulty in their life, you can imagine it may not have been the answer that they were looking for when he promised to send a child. 
They, they had just been taken over by the Assyrians and they were, they were suffering at their hands and you can imagine they would want maybe a mighty warrior, maybe somebody like Samson who in, the, in their history had come and saved God's people and killed thousands and thousands of people. Maybe they were hoping that he would send a, a mighty king that could come and deliver them from the Assyrians and, and lead a revolt against them or some type of deliverer. But he's sending a kid. And we have to remember that we have the opportunity to look back on this and know that this kid was Jesus, but to these people, he was just promising a child. And you can imagine the question in their head is, who is this child that's going to make any difference in what we're experiencing in our life right now? And it's, it's as if God was anticipating that question because he goes on to answer it in verse 6 there, and he, he says that he will be called, or he is, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And as we, as we heard last week when Jeremy was speaking, as he's wrapping up our, the first half of our series in the book of Mark, um, there's always a lot of opinions on who Jesus is. Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say I am? And some of them said that he was um, you know, uh, Elijah, and some people said he was John the Baptist, and they said, who do you say I am? And, and Peter says, the Messiah. Well, this is where the Messiah was promised and they didn't have the the advantage of knowing that this was jesus like we do but god says he's going to send him in this month we're going to spend um, each week leading up to our christmas eve services unpacking and looking at who is jesus based on the description of this verse the wonderful counselor the mighty god the everlasting father and the prince of peace and so today we want to spend a, a little time considering who is the wonderful counselor what does it mean that jesus is the wonderful counselor and when you hear these words, they probably stir up some, some ideas in your mind. When you hear the word wonderful, we often think of something that's very pleasant or something that is, is really nice, something that is enjoyable, something that uh, is just maybe amazing or great. But, but the way this word was originally used is, is that it was someone who did wonders. Not just something that was nice, but someone who did wonder, someone who did miracles, someone who did the things that no one else could do, someone who did the things that only... God could do, a wonder-working, the miraculous things that are beyond our comprehension. And when we think of the word counselor, we probably, um, I don't know what that conjures up in your mind, maybe we think about someone that we might go see to help us navigate some, some difficult things in our life, and, and someone that can provide some, you know, some help in some areas and provide some advice that are helpful to us. Maybe when you think of counsel, you think of someone, maybe just a friend or someone who shares wise counsel with you and helps you with those things. But we often think of someone who, who will carefully listen to us and who will share some clear advice for us. And that's really the idea of what this word counselor means here as well. So, so the wonderful counselor is this miracle-working counselor who hears our needs and provides advice and provides help and assistance in ways that no one else can do. It's one whose advice and whose counsel and whose truth can bring light to your darkness, can bring hope to your hopelessness, and can bring direction to your difficult situations. And, and this, this counsel that the wonderful counselor provides for us is wonderful, is, is miraculous, because it's not based in human thinking. It's not based on human wisdom. It's based on God's wisdom. It's based on what God can do, something that is beyond our full comprehension. Last week, as Jeremy was in, in Mark chapter 8, um, when Jesus was telling his disciples that he was going to go away, and Peter said, no, you can't, you need to stay here and finish the job. And he says, get behind me. He called him Satan. All right, strong words. 
He says, because your mind is not focused on the things of God, it's focused on human concerns. And so the wonderful counselor is one that brings us those, those ideas, those, uh, the, um, the wisdom of God, not the wisdom that we bring. And so Isaiah is telling the people of Israel that God is sending this child, and one of the things that this child will be is a wonderful counselor for us, that Jesus is our wonderful counselor. And when we think about Jesus as the wonderful counselor, as someone who can provide um, this amazing input into our lives, one of the things that I wonder is why so often do I go there last? Why so often do we tend, as the people of Israel did, to wait until we're in life's difficult situations to go to God for help, to go to God for advice and input on the decisions that we're making? And I think there's probably a lot of reasons for that. If, if you're like me, you tend to be um, pretty self-sufficient. You, you've navigated life okay. You've made some good decisions in your life. And when you do that, you kind of think, hey, I got this handled and I don't need anything extra. I don't need any help. Maybe for others of us, we, we've gone to God with some things and we don't feel like he showed up the way that we hoped that he would. And so we say, why bother? Or or maybe we've gone and we just, we just don't think that God even really cares. This is just a small little thing in my life. Why would God even care about this? And we don't go to the one. And I think what Isaiah is trying to help the people of Israel to understand and what he wants us to understand is that we need to go to Jesus first and foremost when we're looking for that advice and that input into our lives, that we need to go to the wonderful counselor. So if that's true, if if Jesus is a wonderful counselor and he provides that for us, how do we get that? How do we hear that? How do we, how do we, how do we get that advice of the wonderful counselor? How do we get Jesus' wisdoms for the, the decisions that we're facing in life? And I want to look at a, another passage in the New Testament this morning to kind of help us answer that question. It's another book, the book of Hebrews. You can start to flip back there towards the back of your Bible, um, page 970 if you're using our Bibles. And the book of Hebrews was written to... Um, Jew, Jewish followers of Jesus. So as, as Jesus came on the earth and he um, lived his life and he died and he rose again and, and people began to follow him all through that time period, those who were Jewish that began to follow him really had a, some pretty uh, distinct changes that they were going through in the way that they worship, in the way that they approach God, in really their life in general. And the book of Hebrews is written to this group of, of Jewish uh, believers in Jesus to help them understand how do we start to move away from the things that God had set up in the Old Testament, the, the sacrificial system, the worship in the temple, um, all of those things, the laws that we're to follow, and how do we now begin to follow Jesus? How do those two things mix, and what did Jesus change, and what stayed the same? And, and in the midst of that conversation is a passage that I think speaks deeply into this question about how do we access the advice, the input, the counsel of the wonderful counselor. So we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 4. I want to read verses 14 through 16 with you. It says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. 
And I think this passage tells us a, a couple of things about the wonderful counselor that are pretty important for us, that, that I think are, are pretty encouraging for us. And the first one is this, is that, that the wonderful counselor can empathize with us, not just sympathize with us, not just feel bad that we're going through a tough time, but because Jesus came and he became human and he lived on earth, he can empathize with us. He can step into our shoes. Because Jesus came, he, he knows what it's like. He understands what we're facing because he experienced those things too. And the only difference between what he experienced and what we experienced is we've got um, you know, that, those bad decisions dotting our past, and Jesus lived it perfectly. But he understands. And, and when we feel like God doesn't care or God doesn't understand what we're going through, we've got to be reminded of this verse. tells us that Jesus lived as a human just like we did, and he understands the weaknesses of being human. He understands the temptations that we face and the difficulties that we face because he lived it too. And if I'm going to go to someone for counsel, I'm going to go to someone who can understand what I've been going through and has maybe even walked in those shoes. And that's what makes Christmas so important, the fact that Jesus, who was God, came down to earth and he became human. Sometimes I think we hear that so much in church, we forget how crazy that is and how amazing that is. And that's what makes Christmas so awesome. Jesus became a person just like you and just like me. And because of that, he can empathize with us in our lives. The other thing that this verse highlights about the wonderful counselor is, is that we have direct access to Jesus. This was a big change for the nation of Israel. They, in their system of, 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 of worship and, and of the sacrificial system, they would go to the tabernacle and then eventually to the temple, and they would bring a, a sacrifice for the forgiveness of their sins, or they would bring a, a sacrifice that was a, 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 just a praise offering or a thanksgiving offering for what God had provided. But they couldn't go and offer those to God themselves. They had to give them to the high priest, and the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, and he would offer those offerings. He was the only one allowed to be in God's presence. And this verse is saying, we now can go directly to him. We don't have to go through a mediator. We don't have to go through anybody else. We have direct access to Jesus, our wonderful counselor. We can confidently come to him with our, with our needs and our trouble and our distress and our joys and our gratitude and our decisions. And we can be confident that he will hear us and that he will provide the help that he needs, the grace and the mercy that we need to navigate those things in life. And I think we probably know, and, and, and this verse confirms that, that Jesus, our wonderful counselor, hears us. He, he hears us carefully. But how do we hear from him? How do we get that advice? How do we hear the advice he has to offer to us? And I think the book of Hebrews um, answers, helps us to answer this question, is, is how do we hear from the wonderful counselor? How do we receive what he has for us? And I think the, the book of Hebrews shares three ways that, that, we can see, that we can receive or we can hear from the wonderful counselor. And the first way is this, we hear through his spirit. Hebrews 10.15 tells us that, that the Holy Spirit testifies to us that Jesus' sacrifice makes us right with God forever. That when Jesus came and he lived the perfect life and he died in our place and he rose again and he defeated sin and death, that if we trust and believe in that, that we're forgiven of our sins forever. And nothing can change that. Hebrews 8.16 tells us a similar thing. It says that God's Spirit, the Spirit, testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God, that no one can take us out of his hands, that, that we are his children forever. And, and the idea that, that the Spirit communicates with us, testifies to us, communicates to us. Jesus said in John 16 before, or when he was talking to his disciples, and he, and he told them, it's better for you, for me to go away and go back to heaven, because when 
I do, I can send you not just someone who can stand in your presence, but I'll send the Spirit who will live inside of each and every one of you and who will guide you to my truth. And anytime we talk about the, the work of the Holy Spirit, um, man, it's just difficult to understand. Our, our human understanding does not do well with the Spirit world. And, 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 and sometimes it can feel uh, a little... Um, difficult to understand and hard to quantify, and, and, and we, maybe we just misunderstand the work of the Spirit often. And I grew up in an environment where we um, kind of ignored or disregarded the work of the Spirit because it was just too unwieldy. We didn't quite know. We couldn't put it in a box that we could kind of understand and figure it out. And, and so we just kind of, not that we didn't believe in the Spirit or believe that the Spirit indwells us, but we just kind of left the Holy Spirit kind of off to the side. And that's kind of how I grew up. And, 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 and you can kind of go from that extreme, you can go to other extremes where, you know, you can use the Spirit to, to, as a justification for any desire that you have. I mean, how many of you ever talked to someone and they're like, well, the Spirit told me that I should do this. And you're like, I don't think that came from the Spirit. I think that came from you and that, what you want, right? And, and we can easily, you know, misuse the Spirit in that way as well. But I think somewhere in the middle, and we, don't, we can't unpack all of this about the work of the Spirit today. That would be a, another whole series, and it might be quite long. But um, I think the, the reality is that we understand that the Spirit lives within us. The Spirit testifies and communicates with us. And somewhere in the middle of this is the understanding of, of the Spirit's work in our life. And one of the things that I think is, is, is good to keep in mind is often the, the work of the Spirit is very subtle. We think it's awesome when we see God do these big and great and amazing things, but the work of the Spirit is often very subtle. It's, it's, it's that thought that, that seemingly comes into your mind out of the blue or, or that idea that, that pops in your mind as you're seeking Jesus about something or, or that verse or that truth from Scripture that seems to just come out of your memory from nowhere when you need it. And, and often those are the work of the Spirit bringing Jesus' truth to us. And for some of us, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, that may stir up tensions of one kind or another. I, I hope I can relieve some of those as we talk through this because I think as we look at God's Word and as we look at the book of Hebrews and we look at how we hear from the wonderful counsel, we don't just hear through His Spirit, but we also hear through His Word as well. Um, in chapter 4, look at verses, uh, jump up just a couple of verses to verse 12. It says this, For the Word of God is alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And, you know, God gives us his word as well, his spirit and his word. And, and Jesus gives us his word, and it says that it's powerful. It's, it's alive, and it's active, and, and it can show us what's right, and it can show us what's wrong, and it, it can show us where our motivations are good, and it can show us where our motivations might not be good, and it can provide direction and truth that we need to know God and to know what God wants from us. And when we think about, you know, uh, how do we hear from God? We hear through his spirit and we hear through his word. And I think one other place that, that we see in scripture is we hear through his people. If you flip over a couple pages to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 say this. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. 
And, and, and Jesus gives us his people, other followers of Jesus that can help us to know the right decisions we make, can give us the input and the counsel that we need. And he wants to use others in our lives. The, the New Testament is filled with one another statements just like this that, that highlight the importance of doing life together with other followers of Jesus and, and how the, God uses them to help us in our lives and how he wants to use us to be of a help and assistance in their lives. And, and Jesus uses his followers to help us to know what he wants from us. And as we look at these three ways that, that Jesus gives us that truth and, and that advice and that counsel in our lives, one of the things that I think is important to understand is these don't work in isolation from each other. They don't work in isolation because by themselves, each one of these can be misused or maybe misleading. You know, our desires, as I've said, can convince us that God wants us to do something when maybe that's not the case. Or we can, we can go to his word and we can maybe misinterpret or misuse it in ways to match our desires. Or, or we can surround ourselves with people that we know are going to say the things that we want to hear. But when you take these three things and you, you use them together and you use them um, 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 in, a, in a way that's connected, they can affirm each other and they can confirm one another. And if you, if you have a sense that the Spirit is leading you to do something and you, you go to God's Word or what you understand about God's Word and that's different than what you sense the Spirit is telling you, that's probably not good. Right? I don't think God's Spirit is going to contradict God's Word. And so we may have to take a step back. You know, and, and, and maybe we, we feel like we've got a good understanding and of, of, of what the Spirit wants us to, and it's in, it, it, it lines right up with Scripture and what we, the way we understand it. But we talk to some people who know us well or know the situation well, and they may say, yeah, but you may need to think about this, and what about this? And, and if one of those three things doesn't line up, I think it should make us pause and take a step back and wonder, have we really heard what the wonderful counselor wants us to hear, or are our desires and, and, and our own um, humanity getting in the way of what God is trying to communicate to us. But when those three things line up, when they confirm one another, I think we can be really confident that when they're in agreement, that, that, that we've heard from the wonderful counselor, that that's what he has for us. And as we navigate through our lives and as we, we make the decisions of life that, that have such a big impact on our lives, I think this is... Our takeaway for today, that when we seek the answers for life's decisions, we need to seek the wonderful counselor. And we need to seek the wonderful counselor first and foremost. We need to, we need to take our decisions directly to Jesus, like it says in the book of Hebrews, and, and to listen to his spirit and to, to seek out his word and to seek out input from others that we know love God and love us and know us well. And when we do, I think that's where we find the wise counsel that we're looking for from the wonderful counselor. And so this week, I want you to think about what, what's a decision that's sitting out in front of you? What's a decision that, that you have to make? And, and, and would you commit this week to take that first and foremost to the wonderful counselor, to seek Jesus and to, to listen to what his spirit might be leading you to do and to, to, to see what his word says about that particular decision in your life and, and to seek out others who know you well, who know the situation well, who, who have that same faith orientation as you and get some input from them and see how those three all line up. Because we're prone to make bad decisions in our life. We all admitted that at the beginning. All right, so we need the help. We need the wise counsel of the wonderful counselor, and we can find it through these three things. And, and it's important because, as I said at the beginning, you know, the decisions that you make in your life, they, they affect the direction and the quality of your life, and, and, and your relationships are far too important not to go to the wonderful counselor when you're making decisions about how to navigate through 
relationships and, and the responsibilities that God has entrusted you with, whether that's your family or your career or the way that you serve or how you're involved in the community or whatever those responsibilities are that you have. They're way too important not to take those decisions to the wonderful counselor and seek his input into those. And, and, and your resources, the, the things that God has allowed you to have and use and, and, and the, the finances that he's provided for you, those things are way too important for you not to go to him with those things and the decisions that you make. This week, as I've been looking at this and, and studying this and, and trying to put this to practice in my life, it's not something I do well uh, or it's something that I do very naturally. Um, I, I tend, as I said earlier, be self-sufficient, but I've been trying to pick one thing and, and force myself every day just to bring that to Jesus. And this may sound like a silly thing to you, but this is what I've been bringing to Jesus. So over the last few months, um, those of you that know us, one of our vehicles has been... Um, not operating very well. And it was in and out of the shop for about a month and a half. And, and, and somebody here who's very gracious allowed us to borrow their car, and that uh, was super helpful. But we're trying to figure out, it's my wife's car, and I hate my wife to feel stranded, as she was several times in that month and a half. Um, and so we're trying to figure out, when do we make a change? When do we stop sinking money into this old car, and do we go buy a new one? And the reality is, for us, right now, I don't have the cash that I wish I had to go buy a car outright. That's how I've would prefer to do it. It means I would have to take out a loan. And so that has some impacts in, in my life, in my finances, in, in, in the relationships, in my family, and, and, and how I'm going to be able to navigate through life. And that's not huge. It's not catastrophic, but it has an impact. And so I've been trying to take this one, all right, as small as it may seem to Jesus and be like, when do I make this move? And how do I make this move? And, 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 and I'm, I'm pretty familiar, I think, with the, the, the what God's word says about our things and our stuff and our finances and how we use those and what God wants for us from those. And, and as we move along in this process, I'm going to seek some counsel for some people that I know understand that world far better than I do and can help me with some of those decisions. And, and, and as I go through that, I don't know where it's going to land and I don't know how that's going to come out, but I'm trying to just take it to Jesus and to see what he has for me in that decision. Because whether the decision's big or the decision's small, it has an impact in our lives. And so we have access to the greatest source of wisdom ever known. But often we fail to seek it out first and foremost. And so this week, let's commit together to taking our decisions to the wonderful counselor, to seek his advice, to seek his input, to seek his guidance in our lives. And I think when we do, both individually and corporately, we'll see God show up in some amazing ways and guide us to what he has for us. Let me pray with you and ask God to help us with that this morning. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your involvement in our lives. We thank you that you don't just leave us to uh, navigate life all on our own. We thank you for sending Jesus, who is our wonderful counselor. And God, I pray this week that you would help us to, uh, to come to Jesus, to come to him with the decisions in life that we have to make, with the, the ideas uh, that we're wrestling with, with the um, input that we need to navigate life in the way that you long for us to. And, and God, we often are very self-sufficient and we feel like we can do this on our own, but God, we need you. Uh, we need your direction. We need your guidance. We need your counsel. Help us to seek you with that this week. And I pray that you would just help us to see the way that you show up when we do. God, we love you. We thank you for uh, this time this morning to reflect on these passages and on who Jesus is. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
The girls are going to sing a song here as we wrap up our service that just reminds us of uh, this idea of this child who was sent and, and, and this child who was given as an answer for our lives. And so I, I encourage you, as they sing through it, it's a new song, um, listen to the words and reflect and, and think about. Ask God, what's the decision? Maybe one didn't pop into your head right away. What's the decision that you need to bring to Jesus this week and see what the wonderful counselor has to say?